Welcome to episode three of Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit, the podcast where we share a recipe and make you feel better about your craft projects. Just a reminder to look at our website, bootyandbossy.com, for the show notes to find more details about our recipes and projects that we talk about. So, Bossy, what's Mm. on the menu? This is something that has a long family history. It's a recipe for pumpkin bread, and it actually came from Booty and our sister's a kindergarten teacher, I think, Mrs. Claiborne, I think was her name. And I don't really remember that much about her, except that she had a couple of great recipes that for like an open house afterwards, my mom asked her for the recipe. We have been making pumpkin bread from Mrs. Claiborne ever since. She was a great kindergarten teacher. I was pretty much in love with her. I thought she was awesome. And then I came across my report card. Mm. She said that I was very clumsy and that I would walk into walls. <laughs> Maybe you were drunk on her pumpkin bread. Maybe that's oh, that what happened. That is probably true. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't dis- remember you being clumsy. <laughs> it was very disheartening. But that, but that is good that you, that you mentioned that she was a good teacher. We were kind of remembering her only for her pumpkin bread, but clearly <laughs> she pretzels. was a formative influence. She yeah. Was. She was very nice. And this was when our family was living in St. Louis, which Booty and our sister used to pronounce as St. Louis. So you might hear us yes. refer to it as St. Louis. I love this pumpkin bread recipe and I, I make it all the time. It's kind of a fall and winter thing. And three things that I love about it. First of all, it's great to have, you know, if you've just got a couple of cans of pumpkin in the, in your cabinet, your larder. (laughs) I don't know if that's actually your pantry. Your butler's pantry. (laughs) Your butler's pantry. Yes. Your, your larder. No, I mean, it's the type of thing where there's always tons of cans of pumpkin and this is like the one pie or the libby's it doesn't matter but you know it's the kind of thing that you pretty much can just sort of keep in your pantry and so you don't have to go out you don't have to buy special ingredients all the spices are things that you would probably normally have so that's the first thing you don't need to buy special stuff the second thing is i like recipes that you can do a couple of things with them So you can make pumpkin bread. This particular recipe, you can make sort of two standard size loaves. So you can make one for yourself and give one away. It also freezes very well. And actually, I do give it for gifts for, you know, around Thanksgiving or Christmas. I'll wrap up one loaf in like a tea towel and I'll take a picture so you can see how to do that. But then it's also good if you don't want to wait the 55 minutes that it takes to cook a loaf, then it's great for muffins. You can put a sort of crumble sprinkle on top if you want, or I usually just sprinkle cinnamon and sugar on top. Or if you want to be fancy and then more desserty, you could do a cream cheese frosting, almost like a kind of a pumpkin bread version of um, carrot cake. So it's got a lot of different things that you can do with it. 
which I think is good. And it's a pretty simple recipe. It's just two cups of sugar. You mix that with one cup of salad oil. So if you've run out of butter, which frequently happens in our house, then salad oil, you probably got on hand three eggs, two cups of canned pumpkin. That's like the 15 ounce can. Dump all of that stuff in your mixer, mix it around until it's good and combined. And then I usually will mix together the three cups of flour, half teaspoon of salt, half teaspoon baking powder, teaspoon of baking soda. And then I put a fair number of spices in. So one teaspoon of ground cloves, that kind of gives it a little bit of a spice kick. One teaspoon of cinnamon, one teaspoon of nutmeg. I sometimes put in a teaspoon of allspice too, if I have that on hand. And I put in a teaspoon of ground ginger. So it's Mm. got five heaping teaspoons of various spices. And what I usually do is I'll kind of dump all the dry ingredients in a bowl and then whisk them together to kind of make sure you don't have any clumps or anything. The original recipe actually says sifted flour. I don't know anybody that sifts flour anymore. And I mean, I tend to just, like I said, put it in a bowl and whisk it. But I did learn the other day, I think it was Milk Street, that the reason a lot of older recipes called for sifted flour was that was a way you could make sure the bugs weren't in there. Uh, So did you know that? I didn't know that. (laughs) Which makes sense. People didn't have bugs in there. So if you sifted them, you got all the bugs out. Yeah. Well, our, our parents used to live in Hawaii and everything was in plastic Tupperware containers with sturdy lids because otherwise there were bugs. Yeah. Downside of living in Hawaii. <laughs> well, and we put everything in plastic containers because like mice get into stuff. So um, we're, we're constantly battling the mice population. The vermin. The vermin. vermin. Yes. Yeah. The vermin in the larder. But anyway, so you then you add in the dry ingredients and it's kind of like muffins where you don't have to really mix the dry ingredients or integrated with the wet. And then I use two Pyrex loaf pans. I like those because the sides are a little bit, it's a little bit taller. narrower. Yeah. And the sides are taller. And I, I have to say, I use pan. I do not grease and flour things. But I do line the bottom with a piece of parchment paper because that mm. does make it easier to get things out. So I line the bottom with parchment, spray in some pan, divide the batter evenly between the two loaf pans. I usually sprinkle it with cinnamon and sugar on the top, but I'll put in a recipe for a nice crumble too. And then you cook it in the oven for at 350. I use my convection oven, but it's usually about 55 to 60 minutes. It, it does take that long. If you're doing muffins, it's about 25 minutes. But it's a super nice, nice and spicy, tastes like fall in a bread. <laughs> and, well, we and had the fall smell in a cup. All of the... Yes. <laughs> so now you have fall in a cupcake. Cup. Yeah, or in a cupcake. And it keeps very well if it stays around that long. It's really nice to cut a nice thick slice and toast it. And then you mm. put nice melted butter on it. 
very or cream tasty. cheese frosting. Or cream cheese frosting. So we'll put all this in the show notes, but this is a great, easy recipe. The other, oh, this was my third thing about recipes that I like. I like recipes baking wise when you can turn on the stove. Do you remember the Junior League girls recipe no. book? Oh, yes. yes. Yes, 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 Yeah. And, and the first recipe said, first face the stove. that has been a family saying for a long time i don't think i realized that's where it came from right first face the stove stove. so i should have started with that first face the stove reach your hand out turn on the stove to 350 but the thing that i like about it is i like recipes where you can make the batter in the time that it takes for the stove to preheat I like yeah. those kinds of recipes. I like those yes. kinds of recipes. If you're still yeah. making the batter and the stove is like, okay, come on, we're right. ready for it. Put it in there. And you're like, no, I got to do 20 minutes more whipping. I have to say the tartatin is like that because you put your apples on top of the stove and then you're preheating the stove at the same time. And I like recipes where you ideally only need one bowl. That's hard when you've got dry ingredients and you have to mix them together. That's a second bowl. Two bowls, one to mix it in and then a dry ingredient. That That's that's on the edge of okay. So we'll stay there. Yeah. Love it. Love so it. So that's my recipe. So, Booty, we mentioned last time in our first in our first episode that hats were the best starter project. So do you want to get us going on? Yeah, we're going to start with a very easy pattern and near and dear to our hearts, the Pussy mm-hmm. Hat Project. This was a group that started in November 2016 um, because somebody wanted a hat to wear for the Women's March in January 2017 put out a hat pattern called the Pussy Hat, which is pretty much as straightforward as you're going to get. Her pattern is you make basically a little blanket and then you sew up or seam the sides. I modified it a little bit just to make it in the round. And then when you get to the top, you do a three needle bind off. Normally I do a three needle bind off so that there is a seam and you don't see it, but it's actually a really pretty seam. So you can do it either inside or outside. Yeah. And I think the three needle bind off, I, I don't think I ever made one the way that I think it was Cat Coil from Little Knittery in LA who first put out the pattern. And we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Pussy Hat Project because it's a great story. Um, but yeah, and they somehow managed to, when, when did they sort of start this idea? I mean, I remember they were doing it for the Women's March in Washington in January, 2017, but when did they kind of come up with this idea? November, 2016. So just a couple months beforehand, they came up with it and then got, somehow got the word out because we... Bossy and I probably have made, I think that I've made around 10 pussy hats. 
How many do you think you've made? I, I, that sounds about right to me because so we went to the we went to the women's march in Philadelphia. I went with my two nieces and two sisters-in-law, and then there was me. So I think I had six pussy hats for us participating in the march. But then I had a number of people at work who said, "Oh, I hear you're making pussy hats. I'd like one for me and one for my one for my friend." So <laughs> people seemed to feel that if they knew somebody who knit, they could just go up to them and say, "I'd like three pussy hats." <laughs> so that's a tough one because it was an easy project, but it still was several hours of your time to yeah. make a pussy hat and. Um, people don't realize, they really don't realize how much time these things take. <laughs> I know. I definitely started going out and trying to find like bulky yarn, even like combining a couple of yarns and stuff. I'll put a picture in the show notes. But I have to say, it was incredible when we went to the Women's March. You know, not everybody was wearing a pussy hat. But it was really amazing to feel like you were part of something. The vibe was really good. People had incredible signs, too. I wish I had written down all of the great signs that people had. Mine was Angela Davis, and it was, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I'm changing the things I cannot accept. Oh, that's awesome. That so great. Yeah. I went to the march in Seattle and it was just wonderful. That feeling of we've had this huge disappointment in our presidential election, especially on the night of the election, I went over to our moms and it, so it was our mom and me and my daughter. And I thought, and we were all wearing a woman's place is in the white house t-shirts. I was anticipating this wonderful event. Historic a, moment. A yeah. Historic moment of a woman being elected and the disappointment and just sadness and horror that followed after that. And the Women's March felt like such a great coming together that it, it yeah. was going to be okay, that we were not, we were going to work harder, get things back to where they should be, or or maybe even better. So. Yeah, no, and it just felt like a, an incredible moment of kind of solidarity. This thing had happened, which we didn't like it, but we accepted it, unlike other people mm. in 2020, that we were still going to get together and find strength in each other. And the, the pussy hat thing I felt was just such a simple thing. Like who would have thought that a sea of pink hats, hand knitted hats would have meant so much. But I know that at least everybody in my family that I made those hats for, they still have them and I still have right. mine. We just learned that there's one at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Yes, there's a pussy hat at the Victorian and Albert Museum. I did not make that one. I am fairly certain it is not. None of the ones that I made were museum quality, let me just say. Probably booties were. Um, no, but I, and you mentioned that you combined yarns. I think that was great, too, that you could 
get all your pink yarn if you had a stash and get it all together because it was actually hard to find pink yarn in the stores for a little while. Yeah. Um, and I, we even put some, we put some fun fur. I think I had had around for something I'd made for my daughter, you know, like a fake feather boa. So that put that around the rim. It was really fun to just do different things with those. Yeah. So. I don't think I did of the sort of eight or 10 hats that I made. I don't think any two were alike, which was perfect because no two women are alike either. Yeah, but, and I do have to say, I didn't follow the pattern that's on the website. I did the three needle bind off and I think that's a great, I think that the pussy hat was when I learned how to do the three needle bind off. It's a great addition to the pattern because it kind of stiffens that top. So it makes the ears mm. more perky, more perky pussy ears. The three needle bind off is great for shoulder seams and a lot of purses where you want to have mm. a sturdy yeah. bottom. Um, yeah. So that's definitely a useful technique. We'll put some kind of link in the show notes for the um, a video. Yeah. I'm going to do the three needle bind off. All right. So other hats. Well, I think my favorite all time hat that you made me was a pattern called Annabella. I have to say the colors that you made it in, and I don't think I have it anymore. <laughs> I do have the yarn tag because this was one of those projects where the yarn and the pattern came together beautifully. And it's not a yarn that is made anymore. So the Annabella has this band around the rim. It doesn't have a typical ribbed section. Well, right. you explain it more, Booty. It's worked in the round and you work a couple of rows of garter. So in the round, rather than knitting every row, you're knitting and then purling every row to get garter. And then you work this really cool dip stitch. You float some yarn in the front and then you pick up those floats later on. So it lifts them up. And what Bossy noticed was that it almost looks like dragonflies. Yeah. And, uh, I recently made another pattern that's somewhat similar and, and she called it bees. But it does have a kind of a wing. It almost effect. winged. And then the, the, the place where it comes together is like the body of the dragonfly. And I think because of that, because it's got these floats, I usually have a problem getting a hat to fit well, to be tight enough on the brim. And then the top really isn't a problem. It's just the brim. To, to get the brim right is key. This one, I think because of the floats, it works really well. It tightens up the brim a little bit. Yeah. And then, then it's just, you keep knitting and then you have kind of a cool design on the finishing when you get to the crown. And It's a little slouchy, which I like because I usually either maybe have my hair in a ponytail or the a hair clip known as the hair don't as opposed to the hairdo. So I'm often sporting a hair don't, which can be covered up nicely in the hat. But I have to say, every time I wore this hat before I lost it, <laughs> um, but everybody would always comment on 
what a great hat it was. And in fact, when we went out, I think you gave it to me for a Christmas present. And so I was wearing it. And when we went out to visit uh, my husband's family in Pittsburgh, I was wearing it. And his, his best friend from high school was like, I love that hat. So being the kind sister that I am, I said, well, I'll ask my sister to make you one. <laughs> Here's the real reason I encourage Bossy to knit. Because <laughs> I was following <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and, and because she was a nice person back then, I, I think you really, I think mm. you did knit Swens a hat. And, <laughs> and he loved it. because I don't even remember that. But yeah. No, I think you did. And I think you, you actually had like enough yarn left because I remember it was kind of two toned. You could do the band in one color and then it was like a shade lighter in the second color. And it was really cool. Or I've done it in the band in one color and then a contrasting color. I think I probably reversed it for his hat because I had more of one Mm. color than the other but yeah yeah that was a super fun one both of us got the malabrigo time for hats book 15 which we recommend and we got it webs <laughs> and we got it at webs <laughs> there's a hat that's kind of similar it's got a similar sort of float design but it goes all the way up. It it starts with garter stitch for the band. Yes. And then it's Again, got you... the float pattern that actually goes all the way up the body of the hat. And I have to say, the light tangerine color that they picked for the hat is does not make it that appetizing. I don't know who <laughs> would wear it reminds Let's me of Let's make peach. it for Melissa. Let's make a peach hat. <laughs> it, it would look like you were wearing a bowl of orange sherbet on your head. But that should not yes. deter you from... And I actually made a really nice one in kind of a darker, sort of a dark green color that it came out really nice. Both of these patterns are really good man hats. If you want to make something for a man... I would recommend <laughs> either of these hats in man colors, whatever yes. those colors are for your man. Again, they have that great combination of fun, quick, all comes together. Well, and I like, I think I like the the Lucia, that's the name of the pattern in the Malabrigo book. I like patterns that, you know, have some kind of float or interest but are not too complicated. So <laughs> you can just do one color and you get that visual interest and it's interesting enough to kind of keep you interested, but you don't have to sit there like nobody bother me. I'm knitting kind of thing that it doesn't demand high attention. Like you're yeah. counting every row and making sure. I, I really hate it when you have to move your beginning of round stitch marker. I find that very irritating, but it should be stay in the same place for your whole project. <laughs> yeah. That sometimes happens with lace patterns really more than yes. That's pain. And and I always seem to be really good at like somehow not reading that mm. part. I, I I and then I'll be like, why doesn't this look like the picture? Yeah. Why isn't this And it's like, up? oh maybe if I was a better reader <laughs> 
it's easy to miss things. So those that two patterns, be, good I men I'm, and women. Yeah. And we have one more that's in this realm of fun, relatively easy, and looks great. One thing we wanted to mention is that when you're doing a textured pattern, you want to be careful about your yarn choice and you want to be careful about your yarn choice in general, but you don't want something that's variegated if you're, if you have a lot of texture because it's going to get lost. The texture will get lost and you might as well knit a stockinette hat. <laughs> yeah. Save yourself the trouble. Yeah. And in general, I don't think variegated. Well, we could argue about this, but in a hat, I don't know. I don't know it how depends. I feel about that. I mean, the one on the cover of the Malabrigo Time for Hats book 15 is fabulous. And that uses both a variegated and a contrast yarn. So it, I think in that case, it's highlighting the yeah. variegated, but without. And it actually has a lot of texture and there's a lot going on there. You might need to make that happen. That is a very cool hat. I'm looking at it now. You're going to have to pay attention for her. Yeah, that's not going to be the, the... I like to knit while I'm watching Queer Eye because mm. I can kind of listen to it and I don't... Exactly. If I, With you know... British Bake Off. Yes, that's excellent too. Trailer Park Boys is also good for a, a knit along because you can just sort of listen to what they say. Well, I guess we should say you can also listen to podcasts about knitting oh, yeah, while you're knitting. <laughs> that is the idea. whole premise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other one that I like is, and I think I got this off of Ravelry. It's called Tread and it's by Shannon Cook. It is a twisted rib and garter stitch. I actually made a black one of these and a white one of these for my mother-in-law. And it's a simple pattern. And then I act, it's a great hat to put like a big pom-pom or they've got sort of a furry pom-pom on there. You used to be able to buy like real rabbit's fur pom-poms. I I guess you probably still can, right? I go wrong with a big pom-pom. But yeah, this is a great one for a big pom-pom. I will say that when I made it, her first one, it was like black or a really dark gray. I found it a little bit hard to see the twisted rib. I eventually got used to it and just sort of was counting my stitches and stuff. Once you washed it and blocked it, it, you could really see it. But while you're knitting it, it was sometimes hard to see. I would say if you're a beginner knitter, I really like dark colors and mm. dark colors are harder to knit. It's it's harder to see stuff was one thing I learned. Yes, yeah. that is very true. And then we each knit a brioche hat. Well, one of us knit <laughs> a brioche <laughs> and the other one knit part of a brioche hat. Because guess which one did which? <laughs> so Bossy knit her brioche hat from the Time for Hats book and got stuck because brioche is very hard to undo when you make a mistake. There is a good, I do have a reference for 
uh, brioche expert. She's somewhat local to me. She's in Portland. Her name is Michelle Lee Bernstein, and she's written a book, which is more of a beginner brioche book. I know she teaches classes on how to fix mistakes in brioche because it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. Well, I think that pretty much says it all. If you need an entire class (laughs) in how to fix your mistake, then, hmm. Hmm. But this is an example of, remember, I believe I said in an earlier episode that Booty is a knitting bully. Mm. And this is an example where she's like, let's knit a brioche hat together. This will be fun. (laughs) And this was the Clara pattern called the brioche leaf hat. And it says right on the pattern, experience. (laughs) Oh, pish posh. Well, and uh, I was like, one, yeah. (laughs) One recommendation I would have that's really easy is to put in a lifeline. And that is when you, you basically take a needle with some yarn needle with some other yarn on it and you run that through your stitches so that if you do make a mistake, you can get back to that point easily and put your stitches back on the needle and work up from there. You and would that- definitely not be able to knit this hat while you are watching Queer Eye or Trailer Bark Boys <laughs> or listening to our podcast. I just want to warn <laughs> everybody out there. Concentrate. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bria, and here's the other thing about brioche. Brioche is really fun and addictive because you, it's sort of color work that you see, you watch your, your picture grow. It is a very squishy fabric. So if you knit a hat, you have potential to knit, be knitting a hat for an elephant because that mm. stretches and grows, which is why I think Andrea Mowry has a pattern the one that i knit which is called vintage prim and then brilliance of that is that it's got one side that has brioche and the other side is using slip stitches and so that makes it a lot easier first of all you're only knitting half the hat in brioche so you don't have to you get sort of a break from your Mm. brioche concentration But also I think the fit is better because you've got this other section and it certainly makes it easier to knit a smaller or larger hat because you're just going to change that section. That side. Yeah. And not the whole thing. I thought that one. I mean, I'm looking at this hat, Clara, and it is such a cool hat, but you can kind of see that if you get the pattern off, one of the charms of the pattern is that it's got these kind of three leaf designs that come together at the, at the top at the crown. But if you mess it up, it's not going to come together like that. Now that said, I was looking at the hat before I gave up and it occurred to me that I could just continue knitting because here's the thing about knitting. Nobody's ever going to come up to you and say, that's a nice hat, but it doesn't really look like the Clara pattern in book 15 <laughs> of Time for Hats Malabrigo. Nobody's going to say that to you, it occurs to me now. They're going to be yeah. like, huh, that? And I'll be like, yes, made it myself. 
unless you're hanging around with people that have this book and are comparing it, yeah. does it really matter if it comes out looking like the picture? Because for the amount of time. <laughs> Plus it's really nice. Yarn. I mean, I, sometimes I'll go back and I have to say the more, I knit the more I do go back and actually am making a Annabella hat for a certain member of our family. And I mm. cast on for this three times because, you know, casting on, I'm pretty good. I've done a lot of cast ons, but somehow each time I either cast on the wrong number of stitches oh. <laughs> or, and I just, thought I had it right and then realized it was wrong or I joined in the round and it was twisted twisted yeah yeah for some reason so finally Hate when that happens yeah it just was one of those things where well and the other thing about this is that so part of the thing about brioche is you've got the main color and the contrast color and so you've got a page of instructions like beginning leaf pattern and you do round one and I mean it it literally each round has got like a paragraph of instructions and so it's really easy to lose your place but one thing you can do that I did learn is get a post-it post put that in the pattern and then move it down as you're going down because trying to keep track of where you are in this pattern if you don't do that well that will lead to probably what melissa would have called a composure remember when <laughs> melissa used to yes, our sister yes. used to make up her own songs on the piano and she called them composions so yes. if you don't follow the pattern, you'll end up with your own composure. Which can yeah. be fabulous. And right. Wear it proudly. I feel if you love it, then that's what's important. And it, another thing too, I think that the more experience you get, the more you're able to read your knitting and know what you did. <laughs> yeah. What you did right, hopefully, and what you did wrong. One other thing I was going to mention about hats was this preschool book that we used to have called Hats, Hats, mm. Hats. And it had hats from all around the world. Fabulous photographs. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, put that in the but show notes. The hats, yeah. are, the hats are so fun. They're, it's just, and they're, they're great gifts that are not as big an investment and in your time or resources. So I hope you enjoy some of these and hats. make some of these hats because, well, maybe not the brioche one, but well, <laughs> it's a, it is a great pattern. I mean, but yeah, work but the other the ones are great. Yeah. Work your way up to that. And if I do decide to finish it, <laughs> then I'll put a picture. In it. Well, actually I will put a picture of it in the half finished state before, because I, I never throw anything away, but yeah, for another day. It. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And but so whatever you do, don't knit like my, my I think that was our best one. <laughs> no, that was our worst. <laughs> but we are all about making you feel better about yourselves. 